Okay, so we got a new episode for you. Um, this is season two, episode nine. I am JPB Gerald. This is Unstandardized English. I always say those things. Anyway, uh, so different episode here. Um, I wanted to do something a little bit different and go to someone who's sort of new to the field. Um, so this episode is with Desi Alvarez, um, one of the people I've you know met through my travels around the internet who's a relatively new English language teacher. And um, I wanted to see what it's like starting in the field now, especially as a teacher of color. So that's what we're going to talk about. And we'll talk about that and what she's planning to do in the future, just to give an idea, because although most of the people I interview here are early career scholars, maybe they just started being a professor or they're a doctoral student, I think that we often ignore people who aren't at that point yet, because um, not everybody in the field is going to be this kind of academic. Maybe she will, maybe she won't, but um, there's a lot of people out there who are teaching this language who are not at that point and never will be it, or maybe that's just not their path. And it's important that we listen to people who are not in our little bubble of academics. So. That's what we did today. I have a patron to thank, Avon McMaster. So I want to thank Avon for supporting the show. If you are interested in supporting the show, the link to the Patreon is in the show description. I appreciate any and everyone who supports the show. Um, it has made it a lot easier to, to record and not have to worry too much about the fact that I spent a whole bunch of time on it and lose money. <laughs> so that's no longer the case. Uh, I appreciate everybody who listens, even if you aren't able to support me, that's fine. All right, on with the show then. Okay, so welcome back, folks, to Unstandardized English. I am JPB Gerald. Today we are here with Destiny Alvarez, and we are doing something different. As I mentioned in the introduction, we're talking to somebody who's sort of beginning her career in the language teaching field. So uh, thanks for joining me, Destiny. Thank you for having me. Um, so if you could tell us a little bit about, I kind of gave the gist of what's going on here, but if you want to tell folks a little bit about yourself and how, you know, where you teach and you know, what you've done so far in your very long career. <laughs> My very long career of one semester. <laughs> yeah, so I have barely started. Uh, oh, let me just, I'm in my last year of my undergraduate career. Um, I started like teaching um, at one of the community colleges like next to my school. Um, yeah, and I'm working with ESL students right now, and it's like advanced learning, advanced writing. Um, yeah, um, what else? I don't know. I, I don't know what else. <laughs> okay, so how are you liking it so far? I mean, you're, it's 2020, so you have been, you know, you've not been in the classroom, literally. Yeah, um, yeah, it's all online. It's like, um, well, we meet at like 8 a.m. I have like tutoring and then I have like individual tutoring and it's like, it's all online. And I don't know, in a way it's like nice that it's online and I get to like get a feel for it 
at home first. But um, I think that if it was in person, I'd be like a little bit more nervous and stuff. But um, yeah, it's just been really hard, like online and then just facing technical difficulties all the time. And it's just the craziest thing all the time. But um, yeah, and then seeing next year, it's going to be online too. It's going to be even harder. So I don't know. But yeah. I mean, what's interesting is that, you know, I, I guess it's sort of the opposite situation as I was in because I was thrown into a completely like overwhelming situation when I started in South Korea. And not only was I in person, but I was in a different country and language and all this stuff. Um, and I was probably about the same age that you are. So, uh, but I had like 40 kids around. Um, and they're community college students, you said, or it just takes place at the community college or through the community college? Yeah, it's, it's, they're community college students. Um, so they're the same age as you are. Yeah, some of them are actually older and they have kids and everything. <laughs> Craziest thing. But yeah, and then I, I've seen like all the different, like some use Zoom, some use Google Classroom, some use like Blue Button. Um, the high school that I work with too. Um, but yeah, um, I would say some teachers are handling it better than others. <laughs> and I try, try so hard to be like, you know, good and like engaging and everything like that. Well, what have you, aside from, we'll get into the technology in a second, but aside from that, like as, as a novice new teacher, what have you found to be some of the biggest challenges just of the teaching, forget about the technology itself for a second. Huh. I, I would say, um, well, I'm still like, sorry, that's my dog. Um, I'm still like, you know, learning how to, I don't know, engage with students. Like um, maybe one thing would literally just be like, pacing myself through the lessons and stuff it's I think it's just very it's very stressful <laughs> that's all I can say <laughs> so far and I have to manage everything and I'm just Everybody like so you know overwhelmed sometimes uh-huh. and what what training have I mean like you come into this and you know well, why did you want to do this you know what background did you have that got you to be interested in this and so on and so forth so teaching like ESL like yeah, language in general but that's what you're doing so yeah um um yeah I was I was originally interested in like teaching because my mom was like you do something you better do something big and I was like okay well I guess I'll just you know teach <laughs> um, so yeah and then after that it was like okay now what do I teach and then I don't know I think when you have that personal connection with like ESL students or like you know just students like that I think it's great so that's kind of why I wanted to go into like teaching like language and then like language is like really interesting anyway so I was like okay well this is what I'm doing now <laughs> yeah it's interesting because um 
I, I sort of ended up in it. Just, I didn't know what to do with myself after college. And um, I uh, saw some ads for like a training program that was like a week long. And I paid them a few hundred dollars and they gave me a certification, um, which basically in retrospect was only about how to create a lesson plan. It wasn't really about teaching. Um, and then at the end of that, um, I had the certification and then I applied for a job in Korea. And because I had the certification, I got extra money, but like I could have gotten the job anywhere. So if, you know, the certification paid for itself in a few months. Um, and it's interesting because I mean, that was like 13 years ago and it doesn't sound too different from what your situation. I mean, the, how it started in the sense that you're at home and with technology and everything, sure. But like in the sense of like, well, you know, this could be interesting. Uh, and I feel like a lot of teachers start out that way. And it's interesting to see that 13 years later, things haven't really changed that much. Um, so, I mean, I know the answer to this, but for people listening, well, where, you know, where do you live and all of that, where you're from and all. I know the answer, but they don't know. Um, yeah, so, wait, what was the question? Where do you live? <laughs> Ontario, California, representing the IE. <laughs> so your students are mostly Spanish speaking or are they, or they have a variety of languages? Yeah, so like Spanish, Arabic, Vietnamese, Mandarin. Um, yeah, so um, one of the things um, I remember seeing was like really focusing on pronouncing all their names right because you know that's like your most identifiable identifiable you know like trait your name it's so important so I made like an effort to learn all my students names um I still like mess it up and stuff but that's okay um but yeah um one of the I think this seems obvious, but there are teachers who don't even do that, you know, because you're coming into this uh, and understanding how important people's identities are, even when you're just starting, is really important. Because I wonder sometimes the work that I do working with language teachers and working with educators in general and trying to get them to be more sensitive and, and to really pay attention to whiteness and race and stuff. You see the stuff that I write. Um, you know, I'm talking to people who've been doing it for a while and they come to my class because they're interested in the stuff I'm saying. And that's good. I'm giving guidance to you who are interested and they want more guidance and support. But then I ask myself, there's all these teachers out there who aren't interested in stuff, right? Who aren't even paying attention to, to what you're doing already and you're, you know, whatever age you are um, coming in. And they're people who aren't, bothering to pronounce names right and they're 45 50 years old and they've been doing it 25 years you know 30 years maybe not 30 but uh i there's a lot of teachers who, who don't even who came into the field thinking that they you know they needed to, to help these people and then they uh don't even bother with people's names and i think that na names is a really important thing um and I think it's, it's, uh, you know, you know, there's a lot of people who give people English names, you know what I'm saying? And I don't know how you feel about that. 
um, from what I've come to understand, if someone tells me that I should call them something, then I'm going to do it. So if they tell me to call them by an English name, then okay, fine. But I'm not going to place an English name upon them like some people do, you know. Um, I used to do that when I first started and it was, I shouldn't have done it. They liked it because they were teenagers. So, uh, but like I used to do things like I would give them nicknames based upon some association I had with them. I saw one kid at an amusement park in the city I lived in and the amusement park had this name. So I used to call him by the name of the amusement park. Uh, or I saw one kid at McDonald's. I called him McDonald's. Like this. <laughs> uh, but like still they were just so amazing they saw me outside of the school that they enjoyed it but like in retrospect I should have learned all of their names but the part of the problem was that I taught 800 kids um, and it was going to be difficult to remember 800 names because yeah but it was my responsibility and I should have put more effort in to do that and it's one of those things that I remember when I look back at my, my career in South Korea that I uh there were a lot of things I could have done better. Things that you seem to already be trying to do. Um, so, you know, you're what, three months in? Two, two and a half? I don't know. Yeah, like since mm -hmm. August-ish. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, and I always, I don't know, I try to be mindful. Everything that, you know, it's like, I think we have like this new wave of more like, not social social justice warriors but like you know people who are mindful of those types of things so I think that like I think it's a good thing in a way that we're being mindful and I try to be mindful I know I have one professor who's like who brings up these topics even though it's not really related to the class but I think like wow I didn't know any of that like thank you for like teaching me that like I wouldn't have known, and um, yeah, it's a great. You muted yourself before you finished your sentence, but. Oh, sorry, I have background noise. <laughs> um, yeah, well, that's good. So you're a couple months in, and you're presuming that this is something you want to keep doing going into the future, right? So where do you, wh where would you like to go with this going forward? Um. Okay possibly I don't know <laughs> right now it's like you know the transitional period from graduating and then <laughs> hopefully getting to grad school and then going from there but ultimately I would yeah. want to you know teach at a university um you know I don't know I just hope that I learn along the way <laughs> uh-huh uh so you you're applying to grad school now and you're applying to what language programs or teaching programs or both? Uh, yeah, like applied language, I mean, applied linguistics or a TESOL if, you know, they take me. <laughs> I remember that, so you're in a different position than I was because I, I, I didn't go straight to school. Um, I went to Korea first and I look back and sometimes, because, you know, there's people I meet, there's people you've heard on this podcast who they got their doctor when they're like 28. And I'm just like, how did you do that? Right. And I realized like, you just keep going to school 
you finished by the time you're 28. Uh, I'm not insulting them. I'm just saying that I didn't know what I wanted to do. And uh, sometimes I think it would have been better to go straight through. But I also know who I was when I was 21. I shouldn't have gone to school. Um, I'm glad I went to Korea when I did, even though I was just a mess when I was there. And I came back and I went to school. And then it's interesting that I just found out the program that I got my master's in was shutting down, like for good. That's scary. <laughs> yeah. Um, and because of what's happening, everyone's like, oh, the pandemic, right? No, I mean, yes, that that is happening now. But we, a bunch of us alumni reached out to the school to be like, hey, what the hell? We love our program. And the school actually wrote back to us, which is surprising. And the school wrote back to say, the enrollment has been decreasing for years. <laughs> we were like, oh. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, so, um, no, I don't want to insult my program, but it is very expensive. I'm going to be paying it off for a long time. Um, so, that might have something to do with it. Um, <laughs> well, whatever. Then it's not going to exist anymore. So, I guess it doesn't really matter if I insult it. No, I love my program. But um, one of the things that I know you're applying to a few different places. Um, one of the things that's important is to really find out, this is not, this podcast is turning into me giving you advice. Um, find out that the, 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 place, yeah, the, the place will really support you, you know? Um, because I am finding now in my, because I keep going back to school in my doctoral program that um, I'm on a trajectory now. You've seen the stuff I've been putting out on the internet, podcasts, and you know, I mean, you're on the podcast. Um, and, you know, the articles and all that. And it's not that they're so amazing. It's just that they're not, they, most of these programs don't train you to be out in the public, right? They train you to write articles, to journal. They train you to teach maybe, depending on what your program is. But they don't train you to, to take a public stance. If you choose to do that, it's your own thing. And I realize that this is so rare for anyone to care what academics say to each other, <laughs> uh, aside from other academics. Like that um, it's important to be able to say things publicly. So, you know, I just hope that whatever program you end up in, and I'm sure you'll end up in a good one, that, you, that they help you... Uh, develop your skills but not just your skills but also your voice because I think not that your voice needs developing you know what I'm saying but like you know that's going to be important for people to to hear your perspective going forward that's my thoughts so that is that is the end of the Justin advice time of this podcast thank you you basically called yourself an influencer an academic influencer see that's an insult no <laughs> you're very old um, you're definitely the youngest person who's been on the podcast. So, so I, uh, yeah, so that's, so that's, all right. Well, I'm old now. All right. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, so let's talk about the industry though. So, you know, the language teaching field, you, you know, I have problems with it. Otherwise you wouldn't talk to me. You, like if, if you, if you had a problem with the fact that I have problems with it, you wouldn't talk. So, you know, like 
you read what I said about how the program, program, the field really focuses on certain types of people. And I don't know about the programs, you know, your undergrad program and the programs you've looked at for your grad school. Um, but what are the materials you've been using thus far, at least for teaching? Wait, can you be more specific? Like, like your curriculum, like what are you teaching from? Oh, uh, I just get given a topic right now. And then I just kind of search up how I can, you know, make it better. And then that's how you've been doing it. But um, I don't know. Well, I mean, like what topics did they give you? Um, sentence structure. Um, basic stuff like that um and i just try to you know present it as engaging as possible um yeah that's about it that's well that's not very interesting i don't mean the teaching i mean the fact that they just tell you to get to they just give you a topic um i wonder i mean are they supporting you in this or are they just giving you a topic and saying go ahead yeah it's like there are our mentors like our animal mentor that's what we call it and like they kind of try to guide us it's like at the beginning of this is like the first internship they've done with their school so they try to kind of guide us and i'm not going to say anything bad but it well, <laughs> and i just try to do my best with what's given to me. <laughs> I mean, we're joking, but this is the problem, right? Like, you, you, you know, you're someone who's really interested in the field and they, like you said, could be better. Um, mm -hmm. And now, you know, they could blame that on the pandemic all they want. But on the other hand, they also have no excuse as far as being able to reach out to you because everybody is contactable. It doesn't mean they have to be on call. But like one of the reasons I've enjoyed presenting at this time is because I've been able to present everybody all over the world if I want to because I'm here I'm in my computer so like you don't have to go to office hours is my point right you don't have to yeah. physically go to office hours you, you could just be in your office hours from here so if if they're not really I'm not saying they need to be heavy-handed and do everything for you but like I don't know that just sound that that's disappointing that they're not being as supportive as they could um at this point i mean i guess you could ask for more but like if they're just doing things the way they do things and they're not like singling you out for for they're not paying attention to you then that's that's just emblematic of i think the way this field often is people come into this field and they often don't get a lot of support because it's well people especially since you're teaching community college and adults like they don't care about those students the field yeah. i mean the world but like the field it does they don't care they care about the kids to some extent although in this weird way where they want to save them but they don't care about those students like they don't care um and if they don't care about the students they don't care about the teachers who teach those students yeah it's, yeah it's so it's a little like disappointing in that sense but um yeah i forgot what i was gonna say <laughs> i don't know what you're gonna say either um so yeah because 
I didn't get any support at all in my teaching. I got support on this, a lot of logistical stuff, right? So I moved to, so again, I moved to Korea and I, um, I needed support legally, like how to get my visa handled and, you know, yeah. find my apartment, like that sort of thing. And I, and they had the school, because I worked for a public school, um, a public high school, which means I worked for the government. And the, there was a person who was also a new teacher, by the way, which is interesting, who was meant to support. They put him on me, <laughs> like, like he was responsible for me. Oh. Yeah. And he, he, he like found that my apartment he did all this stuff for me. Um, and, you know, I mean, we had fun together, you know, we, 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 we were good friends. He actually came to New York to visit me afterwards, but, um, he there was no support for the teaching right they sort of assumed i knew everything about english yeah um, i feel that i feel that a lot like sometimes i have to refresh and i'm like uh when did i learn this but yeah i can totally understand that and just by being born here it doesn't mean we know how to teach Mm-hmm. That is a different skill from knowing a language. Before we even get into whether or not people born here necessarily know the language, I'm just saying it's a separate skill entirely. Yeah. Um, and it needs to be cultivated and developed, you know. Um, so that's one thing. And then there's also like a, a lot of things that um, they would ask me questions about. I had, a, I had an opinion, but I didn't have a, a way to back it up. I had mm-hmm. all these experienced teachers asking me questions about the difference between this and this. One thing they said, what's the difference between every other week and every two weeks? And I said, it's the same thing, right? It is the same thing, but I couldn't really explain it. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, it is the same, but I had no way of explaining that, right? And also, this is not 2020, so I couldn't pull out my phone and tell him well you know it, it, it's it's been it's more common to use this because like you now i don't know about you, you know about google ngrams um but ngrams basically you can go to ngrams you should n like the letter grams um and you can search two words and see which one is more common oh wow cool. so it's like so like you wouldn't just pick two random words you pick two related words and see yeah. which one is used more often and if they're used about the same, then they're fine. But if you see one that's used way more often, you say, oh, I guess that's the one. That doesn't mean nobody has used the other one. But like, it's more if you're trying to, it's not, you're not looking for definitions there. You're looking to see like, what is most commonly used. And I think a big part of the issue is that we frame the language as what's right and wrong versus what is most commonly used and less commonly used. Yeah. Um, and if you tell somebody, well, people usually say, then you're not that judging their value. You're just saying, here's what is said more often. They can choose to say it or not say it. But if you're saying this is wrong, uh, you're, I think you feel like a lot of the time you're passing judgment on the person. Um, yeah. But the problem is a lot of the time the students don't know a way, just because of their own experience and everyone's experience in school, to learn a language without being told they're wrong. Mm-hmm. And speaking about English is, Depends on all Englishes too. Right. Type of English they're learning. Right. And I don't know if you are 
told that you must hold them to a specific standard of English, like American English or Californian, you know, like, I, I mean, yeah, so do they, are they very prescriptive with what you must, how you must like assess them? You know, no, actually, it's just like I talk to them and they're just, they just kind of pick up how whatever I'm just teaching. Um, that's a good point. I never really thought of that before. Well, I mean, it's good that they aren't, you know, putting the hand down on you at this point. Um, it, was, it was weird because I also, when I started, didn't have a lot of restrictions on what I had to teach them and what I had to assess. Yeah. But it also meant that the students didn't take me all that seriously because their other classes had a lot of tests. Oh. So they were like, well, this is, this is the class that doesn't matter. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> um, and they're like teenagers. So, you know, that was fun. Um, eventually I figured it out, but at first it was really a problem. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I don't do tests. I'm, you know, like the main teacher does that, but yeah. So you, you teach with the main teacher or you, you teach in separate classes with the main teacher? I do like my own kind of lesson. Like, so they do like their main, their main class. And then like later on in the day, I'll do my own. And then I'll hold like tutoring hours. But yeah, that's kind of how it's been run. I'm not like all on my own, but yeah. So are you in the class with when the main teacher is there or you just do your stuff separately? Oh, I'm in there with the main teacher and um, we just, you know, I just assist her pretty much. Yep. How does that work online? It's um, mostly us, like me putting them into like, breakout rooms <laughs> or responding to the chat but yeah so um you're I, like a zoom facilitator or question. <laughs> yeah and then I found that students are more comfortable talking to me than they are with the main teacher because you know I'm more engaging <laughs> and um it was so sad <laughs> I had one student tell me that they liked me more because I actually smile. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yep. And huh? So, so you you're sort of the like the host. Not literally the host for the Zoom host, but like you're the one who's because I was in the conference last weekend and I and I was like the the host for one of them where the the two people were presenting and I was the one monitoring the chat and I was the one putting people in the breakout rooms and things like that, you know, making sure that the presentation runs smoothly sort of situation. And then you you have separate time with them on a different call later in the day. Yeah, yeah, and then I do individual tutoring with them too. Do you prefer being, yeah, that's, so that's three roles, right? There's assisting the main teacher who doesn't smile. Um, there's, you know, doing smaller like precept style classes. 
and then there's tutoring. Of the three roles, which, which one do you prefer? Well, I definitely prefer the like, like, um, well, having my own lesson with them pretty much. Um, that's obviously where I'm getting all my teaching experience with them. But yeah, that's where I've been like learning everything with them. Um, learning how to teach pretty much. So it's just like practice. And then, you know, hopefully I can find like a TA ships in grad school and do that. But yeah, for now, that's what I'm doing. Well, I mean, that's, um, it's interesting because like some, when I, I'm always referring to South Korea because I'm just referring to my first teaching experience, but um, I got there and they pretty much put me in front of the class on my third day. Wow. Um, so I got there on a, well, like I landed like on a, we had, I had a week orientation and then I got into the city I was going to live in on a Friday. And then I had a weekend when I had no money, but I, I, I and I didn't have internet in my apartment. So I was like, what am I, I going to do? Um, <laughs> and I didn't have a cable. I had nothing to do. And I was like, it's just cold. And I don't know how to work the heat in my apartment. <laughs> Everything was, it was February. So oh. <laughs> I was just like, what, what's happening here? Um, it just, I just couldn't figure anything out. And anyway, I was just struggling. I was just struggling with my life. Um, but then on the Monday, I put on a suit and I went into school and they told me that I was going to teach my first classes on the Wednesday. So I mm -hmm. spent so long. No, no, first they told me I was going to teach my first class on the Tuesday, the next day. I said, okay. So I made like a 40 slide PowerPoint on Monday night. I stayed up until two, three in the morning because I was like a young person like you. And I could do things like that and then get up and go to work the next day. <laughs> and then I, I got to school on the Tuesday. They're like, actually, you're starting tomorrow. I said, why did I stay up so long? Um, and I come in with this PowerPoint that I've never taught before. I've given presentations before, but I've never taught before. And I said, okay. So I give this presentation. But that's about me. So that they didn't know me. Uh -huh. And they didn't find anything i said interesting this was like a 40 slide it was a you know 45 minute class mm -hmm. and this presentation was supposed to last the whole class this shit lasted like 20 minutes i had like 25 minutes left on the first class <laughs> i was like oh, oh no and i was like do they not understand right they just didn't know what to do to make of me right um and they, they, you know, because they were like, they never seen like, never seen a black person before. So they're all just like whispering in the hallway. <laughs> um, and like, you know, they all wanted to get to, get to glimpse me. Like that first time people wanted like my autograph. It was weird. I'm like, what, what? This is just a strange situation. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, they threw me to the wolves. And I, and the funny thing is it was not hard. It was just like a struggle because I didn't have enough material. Yeah. And, and you know that how have you done in terms of pacing because you mentioned that being a struggle oh the first day i was supposed to teach for an hour and i only taught for 30 minutes and after that i've learned like oh i need to add more slides i need to ask more questions i need to get more participation but i've been there done that and it's the most like it's just so like nerve-wracking i 
I remember the first day too. I was like, I was just like, okay, well, I guess I'm doing this. I'm just here and hello. <laughs> but yeah, I can totally relate. I think once once you do it and then that's it, it's just, okay, now I'm doing this and this is how it's going to be. And it was just like, it was exciting and like nerve wracking. And it was just, I don't know. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh have there been, aside from times when you finished too quickly, have there been times when, you know, you thought a class didn't really go very well? Oh, yeah. Those classes are when everyone's, like, low energy. I'm low energy. I mean, like, students feed off of your energy. So, you know, even days where I'm, like, I haven't had enough coffee yet, I'm still, like, smile and get through it. <laughs> but, yeah. To me, that's... I'm starting to get tired of it because um, when I give presentations, a lot of the feedback I get is that just got so much, just put so much energy into it, and I'm just like, who are these people who are presenting to you that have no energy? What, <laughs> like, I don't think that I, I'm not like dancing, you know, like I'm sitting in my chair presenting. I I talk a lot and I talk very fast, if that's what they mean. Yeah. Um, and so therefore, and the fact that I'm able to condense a lot of material into the time is probably what they're responding to. But I'm also thinking like, I had, but I also know that like academics presenting is just sometimes the driest thing for the planet. And it's quite a shame because there's a lot of interesting material in academia and education that is just destroyed by the presentation of it yeah there's some professors who just want to be like I know this and I know that and let me just tell you what I know and there's some where they actually like teach you and those like obviously are the best professors but I think those good professors are the ones who you know actually care about what they do so yeah <laughs> well I mean I think part of the problem is that I don't know how much you know about this and I don't mean this to be like how dare you not know this stuff but just as why would you know uh but like being a professor and I'm not one at this point but there's you know you have to do depending on your jobs depending on your school you have to um do um research and teaching and I forgot the third thing. Um, oh, publishing, right? You have to write, right? Now, some schools, it's heavy research. Some schools, it's heavy publishing. Some schools, it's heavy teaching. Like, you know, it depends on the school, depends on your job, depends on what the job is. But the professors who teach you, they might not actually want to teach you. <laughs> like, like, that's part of it. Like you say, you know, caring about their job. They might care about what they feel their job is, but yeah. they might feel like their job is just the publishing and the research or just the research. Some people just want to do research and that's fine, but then like shouldn't take a job what you have to do. But I'm just like, I also understand why it happens. So you had, because I had a terrible, my worst professor was actually my linguistics professor at undergrad. And it actually screwed me up for a long time because when I got into my master's program, you know, I was, I got a master's in TESOL and you don't have to take a bilinguistics to do that, but it helps. 
mm -hmm. to like really understand and unpack the language, right? So we had a class that was pretty like hardcore linguistic stuff, like sentence trees and all that shit. Uh -huh. And uh, I was struggling in the class and the professor called me out on it. And I finally admitted that I had really been struggling because of my undergraduate linguistic experience. Um, because frankly, I, I, it was taught so poorly that I didn't understand it and it didn't come naturally. Um, and this guy was the head of the linguistics department in my undergrad. And so therefore, when we complained about him, they basically all said, he's in charge of the department. We can't really do anything about it. Um, and he was, this is like an intro to linguistics class. And he was very frustrated by people who couldn't do it well. And it's just like, it's the intro class. Why do you expect us to know this? Yeah. <laughs> and then there were like three people in the front who we loved because they were really interested in it. And like, it really turned me off of linguistics for a long time. It's part of the reason that I focus more on the teaching side than the language side. Mm. Um, even to this day, even though I'm not actually a language teacher right now, but like, you know, most of my writing isn't hardcore linguistic stuff. Yeah. Um, and it's all pretty much because of that guy. <laughs> That was 15 years ago. Yeah, I think maybe it's just me being naive, but I think that maybe we should all care about our work. We should all care about what we're doing. <laughs> but that's just, you know, me being helpful. And I'm just at the beginning. And, you know, maybe down the line, I'll understand. Well, I agree that we should. It's just... um that we don't um and sometimes i get it when it, when the work is really harmful that you just sort of check out so it doesn't drag you down i've had jobs like that yeah um but with anything like education so like you know part of the problem with all this is that some of the people who care the most about education care about it for the wrong reasons you know they care about it because they want to save these kids save the students yeah um, and so they care but they care in like this selfish savory way yeah yeah i can agree with that so sometimes care isn't enough yeah okay um okay could you explain that more so okay. i can understand? <laughs> <laughs> i want to know exactly what you think <laughs> um so one of the things I write about is, is, is how people go into the field of language teaching for a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons is that they think that the field is like, like a socially good, like it's pro-social, like it's good for others, right? Mm -hmm. As opposed to anti-social, right? I'm saying, so it's like good for society to be a language teacher is the idea. It's true for education in general, but particularly true for language teaching because it's obvious that the people who, who they feel need to learn English are going to have trouble if they don't learn English. Yeah. Right? So I am going, not me, but I'm just saying a person could easily join the field saying, I'm going to help, generally speaking, immigrant students learn the language and therefore I will help immigrants have a better life. And, yeah. and I'm not saying that is or isn't true. I'm saying that that's a mindset. Mm -hmm. And they go into it saying, and therefore, if I succeed at this job, I will have helped this number of immigrant students. And therefore, I'm making the world a better place. 
because I'm making these students' lives better. I'm yeah. not saying, wait, 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 wait. Okay. So when you believe that, when you believe that merely by doing your job, like, like showing up to work, you are making the world a better place and you care deeply about what you see as making the world a better place. It's just that all what you see as making the world a better place is showing up to work. You know what I'm saying? Like, like just being at work for some, not for everybody, but for some people doing the minimum of your job is making the world a better place. Then it's not that they don't care. It's that their care is you know, going towards the wrong angle. Um, because merely being in front of a classroom of immigrant students isn't making the world a better place. You could be harming them. Yeah. Uh, so that's my point is that you do need to care, but you also need to really look at them as, you know, full humans whose identity need to be respected and so on and so forth. That's my point that you need more than care. Yeah. I've, yeah. Like, like I said, wearing matters. I've, I've been like, you know, they're common, just cliche things you say. And I've actually like, um, I've been told like, oh, don't use those phrases. Those are like, you know, what is it? Um, bettering or helping um, non-native speakers. And I've, you know, I've learned, I'm you know, at the beginning of everything. So yeah, I think learning all that right now is good. And I'm so glad you brought that up because I literally like, just encountered this like a week ago and like yeah it is selfish a little um but yeah that's that's an interesting point well what did you encounter a week ago well um we're trying to create this program with other community colleges and helping you know esl learners um you know practice their english and stuff and some of the phrasing was like but I didn't write it (laughs) some of the phrasing you know there's cliche things you say um it was like oh you shouldn't um you know you shouldn't write that and it was by like an ESL professor who you know has been in those positions so it was like interesting to see like oh actually I still need to be more mindful like but yeah that's an interesting point that you said yeah I mean there's just I mean it's it's not it's it's wording it's images you know like every um what's the phrase I hear a lot with this profession it's just so just so um that's what they say they always say that it's just it's just so um (laughs) And they say, well, it's just helping students create this Um, Now, what is a reward? I mean, what does the word mean? It means, usually it means money, right? I mean, I'm just saying like, not in this context, but the word reward, you say, you know, I'll offer you $1,000 reward if you give me information about my lost dog, right? Mm -hmm. A reward is money, it's payment. So what people are saying is that helping these students in their mind is equivalent to payment right that's what they're saying and it's not what they're literally saying 
but that's what's being implied when they say it's so rewarding. They're saying I get as much out of this as I would get if I got a certain amount of money. Yeah. And this mindset, I think, I'm over here indoctrinating you, but it's okay. Um, <laughs> this mindset, I think, uh, brings people into accepting the negative working conditions of the field because the field is not like well paid or anything like that and it's really easy to say well i'm not getting paid a lot and it's really difficult but the greatest reward (laughs) (laughs) i see um and and what does that mean though it also means who gets to do the job yeah. Because you can't be paid in the reward of your smiling students. Mm-hmm. You don't need to pay your bills. So if you are going to have a job that is going to pay you in smiles, then you need to have some other kind of income or you need to have a spouse that has some kind of, or a parent or whatever, 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 whatever. I know you're a student. I'm just making the point in general. So that leaves the field, and this is true of education in general, but it's particularly true of this kind of field, vulnerable to, you know, people who don't necessarily need as much of the money to be doing, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, 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 it's the certain type of person who's able to do some of this work. And it, and those are the people who perhaps have less of a connection to the students they might be teaching. So um, you can see how these, you know, these, these words that people choose have a, that was a very, this is the kind of argument I make. I, I jump from here to here to here to here. But I started with, <laughs> you follow what I'm saying though? Like I started with talking about, you know, it's just such a great reward talking about how people from certain demographics often end up in the field because they're, they feel that they're making a sacrifice and that <laughs> sacrifice is worthwhile. You know, it makes them feel good about themselves to sacrifice. And that doesn't actually do good things for the students to have teachers who are sacrificing. Yeah, another thing was um, are bettering their lives, like implying English was helping. And I didn't write that, but, (laughs) you know, they're just cliche things we all kind of hear and then we kind of just say to, or we just write and I'm, I think, yeah, we need to be more mindful of that too. Bettering their lives. Um, Because if they don't take classes with us, then their lives are over. Um, (laughs) I mean, that's what they're saying a lot of the time, right? You know, like, like if if they don't, if if we don't, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's a, it's a whole situation. And, you know, it, it leaves, because you're talking about adults, it leaves adults being seen as though they're like toddlers, you know? Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, even when um, I took this like studying abroad class, I feel like I'm bashing everyone that I've like worked with or- This is what but... happens when you talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, you know, we're still learning. So, um, but yeah. Just use that excuse. I'm just learning, you know? <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, even the way we talked about like, you know, ESL students. Yeah, I feel like a lot of times they are talked like that, like 
here, let's teach you. Like, let's just, you know, here, here's what I know. But um, yeah. I'm just going to make you cynical about the field before you're even really in it. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it's one thing to, because the whole, I mean, I'm sorry, like this whole mindset is, it just permeates everything in the field, right? This, this idea that we need to fix these people um, and that there's something wrong with them because I'm going to stop myself because I will go on forever about it, but uh, this idea that a, a language variety, because it's not a deficiency, it's a language variety, um, is a dis deficiency in a person's value is is sort of what undergirds the whole field right mm -hmm. you know it's all it's an outgrowth of colonialism right so um you, they couldn't do colonialism if they didn't teach some people english <laughs> uh so here we are you know perpetuating that and like one of the shameful things is that when i try to push against this stuff someone will say to me yeah but in this country, it really is harder for them to live if they don't learn English. And that's, that is not untrue. Yeah. And all I'd like to say is English isn't the native language of, you know, America. <laughs> Please get it through your mind. <laughs> it's not. It's, I mean, and even, I mean, I mean, neither Spanish, but like, um, the United States doesn't have one native language. Uh, so that's why and even the oh, even the whole concept of a native speaker is a little bit like yeah i i yeah i did research last year about non-native and native speakers and looking back at that um again language matters so um i don't know i just you know you're growing and you're learning new things and new concepts so even those sometimes i'm like oh my god did i write that <laughs> Did I really say all those cliche things too? <laughs> yeah. I mean, more, even it's like, mm -hmm. I was just saying, even something, again, I'm in, I'm in my DAFO program, and even something that I wrote last fall in what was technically 20th grade, I, I, uh, I look back and I've learned so much in the last year where I'm just like, can't believe I said that. Yeah. Um, and like, I've been giving this presentation on decentering whiteness since July. And I wrote the article in January mm -hmm. and the article was published in May, which means that I did a lot of the writing like 10 months ago or 11 months ago, right? In the winter. And since I wrote the article, I have changed my views on some of it. But because the presentation is based on the article, I have to say what's in the article. And I kind of disagree with myself. <laughs> well, that's the beauty of learning and growing and everything. <laughs> yeah. But um, so now when I present on it, I have to offer commentary. I'm like, I'm not sure I really agree with this anymore. But, <laughs> yeah. like, but like if I don't include a part of the article, then I then the argument doesn't make any sense. Like mm -hmm. any presentation I make is an argument. Um, I'm trying to make a point. I, I I think part of the problem is a lot of presentations are just like here is some information, 
And it's like, all right, I could have read that by myself. I don't need you to give me information. Um, like if you're just gonna show me some charts, just email me the charts. I'll look at the charts by myself, so. Sorry, you cut out a little. Could you repeat that last part? Yeah, I realized I said, sometimes uh, it, it, presentations are just people giving information as opposed to actually making an argument. And when you're just giving information, I'm just like, you could just email me these charts. Like, I don't need you to stand in front of the charts and tell me what's in the charts. Um, I know the charts can be useful sometimes, but like, the thing about it is the charts are misleading. Anyway, I'm on a, I'm on a whole other rant thing. Um, well, so what else would you, from your vantage point, like to know about this language teaching field looking ahead? Um, I think I'm still like learning every like step, like every month I learn something new and I'm like, what? Like who was that girl a month ago? But I just hope that I just learn more like. Yeah, um, about what? About. I'm not gonna let you get away with the cliche. <laughs> I, I don't know what I wanna know more about, maybe everything. I mean, I have the rest of my life to know more, but um, what about is what, I don't know. <laughs> um, sorry, I can't answer it. Yeah, I mean, that's fine. Um, <laughs> I, it's just in case you wanted to know, but it's, um, I guess what I'm saying is good luck because this is, you know, the field is not trying to be hospitable to people who actually want to do things that are different from other people. You know, it's a lot easier in this field to just do things the way everybody else does them. Yeah. Yep. It's true of a lot of fields, but it's particularly true in our field. You know, I try to shake things up, but they're still like, you know, I'm working on a book project and I don't know if it's going to happen or not. That's why I call it a project. Um, mm -hmm. And it's a small publisher. And I looked them up and they're owned by a larger publisher. I looked that publisher up and they're owned by a larger publisher. I looked that like, <laughs> and then- And they're owned by Google. Yeah, well, well, I mean, they're owned by some conglomerate that, uh -huh owns so many publishing houses that it actually owns like every academic publisher. <laughs> like oh. I forget what it's called, but it owns like Rutledge and like all of the other places. And I was like, oh. Uh-huh. So it's um it's yeah. So the point is I'm gonna be trying to make these points, but like how much damage can we really do to the people who have that much power? I don't know. Yeah, I think to put your mind at ease, I think there's more research going on like about these topics. So hopefully, you know, there's a whole new generation that's, you know, coming up and doing maybe focusing on different things that we haven't looked at. Um, but that's just me being optimistic. <laughs> Yeah, that is an optimistic thing. 
I don't know. I mean, we we see two different two different generations here, right? Talking in in in, uh, in an old, I feel like an old cynic talking to you. Um, so <laughs> no. Um, well, because you know, my experience is it is it's been mostly good, but like I still write a lot about the difficulties in the field. You know, it's not it's not where it needs to be. The, <laughs> And the no, 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 no. the way that it's it's constructed is not to support the people who are being taught or to any of the teachers who don't look like a certain standard. This is California, like I was saying. It's like I feel maybe this is just me being optimistic again, but I feel like everyone's kind of seeing a person like me, you know or they can see themselves in me or, um, but yeah, I feel like I'm, I just feel a little bit more lucky to be in California to be, you know, more accepting than other places. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. It's early though. We'll see what happens. See, I'm over here just being cynical. Um, <laughs> I'm just like, things will get worse. Um, <laughs> But maybe we can just use this as a ray of sunshine because there's been so little this year. Um, <laughs> this is definitely the, the least cynical conversation I've had on this podcast um, because I'm usually, you know, chopping it up talking about cynical things and very rarely have I had a conversation with somebody who has smiled the entire time. Um, <laughs> not that anybody can see it, but um, so, you know, that's different. Um, but yeah, well, thanks for talking to me. I uh, will, you know, chop it up a little bit and put it up. It's not going to be up to like December or something like that. Um, although December is like next week or something, but it'll be later in December. Um, but yeah, um, I hope you had a good time talking about yourself. Um, <laughs> and because that's what you talked about. <laughs> And yeah, I, it, it was nice to hear a different perspective from, you know, me and my uh, mega-headed academic peers. Yeah, I hope I didn't come off as naive. I mean, <laughs> oh well. Yeah, well, I wouldn't say that. I, I would say only that when I talk about the problems I have with the field, I talk about them for the reasons that there are a lot of very positive people like you who are entering the field. And if the field doesn't change, it will be a challenge for people like you and it shouldn't be. So I hope to make things better for the people who are just entering the field. Yeah. So I'll talk to you in 10 years and we'll find out. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) 